Welcome back to the West Michigan Soccer Show presented by Midwest United FC, where we discuss all things soccer in our community and the world beyond. Happy New Year to all of our listeners. We hope you had a fantastic holiday. This is our first show of 2024. My name is John Kopko alongside Western Michigan women's soccer coach and Midwest United FC executive director, Lewis Robinson. We have a special guest on the show today. She's a midfielder for NWSL Club Washington Spirit and the Panama Women's National Team as well as a Midwest United FC alumna. It's Riley Tanner. Riley, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. So it's currently off-season time for NWSL. What sort of things do you get up to as a professional player when you have this time off in between seasons? I've been able, I went back to Alabama and watched their first round of NCAAs. Um, I got to see some friends from college, and then right now I'm at home. Um, just visiting family uh, here in Florida. So it's just a lot of getting to see a lot of people just because season's so long. So yeah, it's been fun. The point of this show really is is to talk about soccer in West Michigan, and that's where you grew up and started your career. How did you first get involved with the sport, and what are your earliest memories from playing soccer? Um, I feel like it's like such a thing in Michigan to send your kid out there when you're like four years old and get out of the house, go play. So that's when I started playing soccer, but that was just with AYSO or whatever. And then probably pretty soon after that was when I started club, but I started at like a, what I consider more of the local club, which was Kenwood Falcons. But then from there, I ended up at Midwest United at the time it was Grand Rapids crew where Lewis was my head coach was my first my first coach and I don't know we had a lot of good memories I feel like I don't know a lot of like the Disney tournaments and stuff like that were always super fun and just maybe like super why those those trips were always a lot of fun just being out obviously warmer weather those trips so definitely a lot of good ones. Lewis what do you remember from your time as a coach for Riley? Well, yeah, I had, I had a couple of questions about young Riley. Um, I mean, I remember when, when she first joined the club, um, she had an amazing step over scissor, like body fake move. Riley, tell us where, where did that come from? How did you learn it? And how were you, if it felt like you were doing that maybe before you walked and run. Um, but where did you learn that? And how did that come about so much in your youth development as a little, little kid? You must've picked it up, right? Uh, yeah, so I actually, I picked that up um, at Kenwood Falcons. It was actually, John Conlon wasn't our coach, but he coached a few practices here and there. And one day that was, it was literally at Brewer Park and we were doing like a skill session. And I don't know, from there, it just like stuck with me. And yeah, it's definitely like my signature move, I guess that it's like, yeah, taking me through all the levels. It's like, if, you, if I'm down the field, you know for a fact that scissors is about to be broken out. How is it still working? I, and I remember good times. You were lucky enough to have, like, Grace Johnson and Emily Ashby and, like, very megable people on your team, weren't you? So there was there was Meg's left, right, and center from that move is, is what I remember of Little Riley. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's still, it's still with me. Maybe even Lauren Kozel. Lauren Kozel back in the field playing days, right? She was a, she was very highly megable as well, wasn't she? Yeah, there's, there's a couple girls that I <laughs> could get a meg out of. But. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I guess then, right, talk to like, I remember when you first came to the club um, and you were a big leader of it, but like, 
do you remember, I remember your team was like being really, really good friends and you had a really tight group, right? With, with your group when I, we can name them all off, but, but you had surrounding you like a really motivated and talented group of players. And you guys used to just play soccer for like hours, five days a week, right? Like we'd get a little mini field or you'd make a mini field and just play. Like what, do you remember those days? Where did those come from? Like, do you think that was just luck being around the right people? Or do you think that was something that you drove and you were self-driven with? Like, you remember those days? Oh yeah. I remember being at the field all the time. Just when I obviously have older sisters, younger brother, they all played. So just anytime I could be at the field going to their practices and getting a small, a small space or whatever it was. The club was awesome and just like let me either like jump in with training sessions or take that little corner and you can be on the field, whatever. But yeah, our team was super, super close and I'm like super fortunate for for that just because yeah, you could be a text away. Let's go get some touches, get some shots, whatever it was. So, and I think with our team being so close, I think that's why, yeah, we were like definitely more on the successful side just because we all loved each other and just wanted to play for each other. So it was definitely something really special. It was awesome. Do you think you got that, and not to go off on a tangent here, John, but um, where do you think you got that passion for it from? Because you were always like driven to play soccer 10 hours a day, right? I remember like your practices playing 4v4 and you guys staying for 30 minutes after your practice and taking over the next practice time. Um, like, where do you think that came from? Was that a family thing? Was that parents? Was that just the culture you grew up in? Like, where did you get that from? I think it's like a little bit of like a family thing. Just coming from a family of sports was like everything. You just wanted to be the best, always be out there. And then being around the team when it was just like so much fun, you never wanted to leave each other. You just always wanted to be with each other. So and we all have the same thing in common, we wanted to always play. You also had the chance to represent the club on the USL level as well. What was that like getting another opportunity to play for Midwest? The summer leagues were so much fun. I mean, it was just as we like, as I grew older, it would be like less and less of my team, but that gave me an opportunity to play with my sister. It gave me opportunities to just continue to play and like stay in shape over the summer. And so just all of those games, um, playing with different teammates, even though we were on one team, I was really close to my sister's teammates, maybe the younger team. Like, so just being able to come together with all of those girls was just always so much fun and just like an easy way to stay in shape over the summer. What do you remember about the college recruiting process towards the end of your Midwest career? What was that like? College recruiting process was actually like, it was a lot of fun. I started getting recruited in sophomore year and I was committed by mid sophomore year. A lot of like the big tournaments and stuff that we went to were huge in the recruiting process. And so Just taking those two years, I kind of like, I could have committed freshman year, but wanted to like drag it out because I wanted to make sure that I was going to the right school and like getting all the opportunities that I could to figure out what school I wanted to go to, which in the end, we know I transferred. So um, I don't know, (laughs) maybe a little young on that decision, but um, yeah, so it was a lot of fun, but yeah, I just think a lot of the big tournaments, I was able to get seen by those colleges. Looking back on that, right, 
being like, and I remember your process is crazy. I actually started eighth grade, right? I remember you having the big schools watching you and you were like, seemed like 12 years old. Do you, like, and you know, the rules have changed now, right? That the recruitable players can't actually speak to colleges until junior year. Okay. So it's really slowed down. Like, do you think that would have changed your decision looking back on it? Like you did make such a huge life decision when you were what, like 15, right? And do you think it would have changed if you were a junior and you grew a year older and maybe made decisions a little bit different? Uh, I think so. I just think there's like a lot of, it's like, like you said, it's like a really, really big decision. I think what they're doing, yeah, with not being able to speak to schools till junior year, it takes a lot of pressure off. I'm sure you have those grades to maybe get like a, an academic scholarship. It's definitely beneficial that they, they did that. But I don't know, would I still have ended up at South Carolina first? I don't know. But yeah, I think it definitely would have maybe put a little bit of pressure off of things. I think the transfer part is really relevant today, especially with the, the portal now. What was that experience like for you? And, and how did you eventually settle on, on Alabama as the next fit for you? The transfer process was a little bit crazy, but I kind of... I always had like this feeling um, ever since I got to South Carolina and I had like a, I would say like a decent career, nothing crazy. So each year after the end of every year, I was always like, do I transfer? Do I not? And then my junior year was the COVID year. So we played SEC in in the fall and then we had out of conference in the spring. And once it got to like the out of conference point, I was like, I know I want to transfer but I need the closure, like I want to do all that. And so the day after we lost in the NCAAs, I decided that I wanted to transfer. And Alabama was one of the schools that I was down to when I was a sophomore in high school. And they were one of the first ones to reach out to me once I entered the portal. At South Carolina, we started June like 20th-ish. And our season ended at that time, like May 10th. So I kind of knew that I had to speed up this process and figure out what school because I most of like the top schools go early in the summer. I knew I wanted to stay in the SEC, and so I talked to a few schools in the SEC. But it's like funny, and I joke with my Alabama coach now that the one reason or a big reason why I didn't want to go to Alabama in the first place was because the campus was too big, um, in air quotes. A year and a half there, the campus was so small. Not like so small. I could drive to campus and then walk to the other side of the campus in like 25 minutes max. It was crazy where like that was one of my deciding factors. When I was committing, I was talked to Lewis and he was like, you said you were only going to go to a school that was Nike. And I went to South Carolina, which was Under Armour. So it's like, I don't really know what was going on in my brain, but I also wouldn't change going to South Carolina for the world. I had so much like maturing to do and I started my faith there and things like that. So there was like a lot of benefits that I got from South Carolina, but in the end, the soccer portion of it was where I knew I could do more. As far as soccer goes, right? Um, what, like to take it, I guess one step back and we talked about like from you and club, it might seem like millions of years ago now, like what was, do you remember solely from a soccer side, what was the differences that maybe you struggled with or you, you noticed right away in soccer when you made the jump from club, which you played at a high level, right? You played at National League or at Bakken, all the best teams were playing there. 
you went from club to the SEC, like, what do you remember being the difference or the main differences that you had to come to terms with to be a successful college player? As you get higher and higher in each level, it's always a big thing. And like what everyone says, I feel like is speed of play going into an SEC school like that. It was definitely speed of play was an adjustment. So just getting used to like those type of players and that type of play was definitely a big adjustment. And then being at the bottom of the totem pole, again, you're a freshman competing against maybe like seniors or whatever it is. It's a lot, but once you get the hang of it and like your confidence builds up, whatever it is, it's definitely doable. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. But yeah, I just think for me, I've always struggled with maybe like confidence or something. And so it's definitely that was always an adjustment for me. Yeah. What about the workload? Like jumping to, I, I feel like the college season is such a condensed season where like you don't get many chances to be injured or miss sessions, right? And be off your rhythm. Like, how did you find that as a freshman and how did you maybe deal with it any better as you got older? Um, making that- Like I said, we came to campus June 20th around there. We all did summer school. The main reason was why, the reason why we did that was we were getting in the weight room. We were getting all of our conditioning done before season, just because as soon as season starts, preseason, it's boom, boom, boom. And then you're doing two a days, like you're doing all of that. And so it's definitely a lot of work um, and it takes a lot of discipline. But yeah, I think a lot of the things that we were doing in the weight room has just helped me so much. And then all of the conditioning and it's always tough in the moment, but as season goes on, you're like, well, dang, I'm so glad we came in June because we were able to get all of that out of the way and then focus on just like the soccer portion of what season takes. At what point in your career, whether it was at South Carolina or Alabama, did professional soccer start to come on the radar as a possibility for you? Um, I think it was like a wave at South Carolina, but once I went to Alabama. It was like my only goal in my transfer process. That was kind of like what I was talking to coaches about. Like I was like, my goal is to be a professional soccer player. I need to go to a school that will help me do that. And so with talking with Wes and uh, once being at Alabama, I was like straight and narrow, like that was my path. And so, yeah. And then I was just super fortunate and super blessed to be a part of the team at Alabama because kind of similar to my experience at Grand Rapids Crew. We were just like, we in Midwest United, we just loved each other and were able to play for each other. And we ended up having like a pretty good season my fifth year. What was the actual draft process like for you? What do you remember from that? And what was the the moment like when you realized that you were going to actually achieve that dream? The draft process was very stressful. I was actually at my first camp for Panama. I was in Colombia. So I was with maybe five of the girls that like kind of speak English and kind of like knew what was happening. And so we were in my hotel room. I answered the phone call from the coach at the time that I had conversations with, literally answered the phone from Angela Salem in my bathroom, in my hotel bathroom. And it was FaceTime. She was like, oh, okay, so we're going to like draft you this next pick. And I walk out of the bathroom and I was like, I had no idea what was going on. I was like, have they picked me yet? Like, I don't know. I got a call that I'm going to be like next or something. 
And so probably like two minutes later, I hear my name on the screen and stuff. And that's when like reality hit where I was like, oh my gosh, I need to be more prepared than what I am. I was so, I was so stressed out. I was like, geez, I'm about to be in preseason with professionals. And especially with being surrounded by like such good players at Washington Spirit. We have five national team girls and a few more on like other for other countries. I was just, I was lost for words. I was like, I don't know what's happening with my life. I'm in a whole different country. I'll, ha- I'll have one day before I have to report for preseason. What is going on? Were you, um, what, what came in stronger? Were you, obviously you were excited for sure, but was it scary too? Yeah, I would think I was, I was definitely super excited. Obviously, was having a ton of phone calls just not being near my family and so we were all just super excited my dream had come true I'm here in professional level so definitely a lot of excitement but yeah I think I was definitely at the same time very scared I would say I I did have a couple stressed out tears when I was in Colombia on the phone with my mom what was the process like getting settled in DC did the, did the club help you get settled or did you need to find housing and all that stuff during that in-between time of of reporting and finding out that you were selected? So I think we reported right around the same time last year, right around January 20th-ish. And so, no, the club was like, has been so amazing. And we basically all got flown out and got put in the same apartment complex that we are now. Just, I had a roommate at the time. I was with another rookie honestly made it like a lot better just to have someone in the same situation as you and be able to kind of relate to each other and everyday life that we were going through. But yeah, so we got put in housing and they gave us two cars amongst the six rookies that we had. Um, And yeah, so we just, it was like we were like a part of the team and we were just connected to Teamworks and you're just, your job now was you're going to go play soccer. So the minute we got there, we started the whole like preseason process and just did like the paperwork, the vitals, the physicals, all that. And just, we're just thrown in for, we're here. This is our job. Was there an adjustment period coming from, I mean, a high level of college soccer, but then stepping into one of the strongest women's soccer leagues in the world? What was that like going from college ball to then being in the professional environment every day yeah I think that transition was probably the hardest transition out of all progressions that I went through it was just it was a lot of definitely like I said like speed of play was a big thing it's didn't even know that it could get faster but it got faster And then just at that point, being on a professional team, everybody's like so good. And so there's, there's truly like no off plays, no, nothing like that. And so it's not like, you obviously don't have to be perfect, but a little bit of it is just, you have to be like on your A game at all times. Does the, uh, does the body fake and not make moves still work or not? Uh, if I if I break it out, well, it's here and there. Yeah, here and there. They just they just kick you a little bit harder when you get past them. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's what I figured. The flop still works though. So you've you've been in the professional game for about a year now. As a player, can you see some of the growth and the momentum that the league is experiencing over the last year? Kansas City is opening a brand new 
soccer specific women's stadium. There's new expansion clubs coming in next season. And then there's also been the youth movement where there's been some teenage players signed straight out of youth clubs. Have you, have you seen that as a player? Are you noticing some of the changes that are going on with the league? Oh, absolutely. And I think a lot of definitely all the expansion and all of those type of things, like you can definitely tell. And just ever since I got here and talking with like the older players, hearing all the things that like they've gone through in the past and just the way like they've shaped the league for us. And there's obviously more to come, but it's just truly amazing how well the league has expanded and growth that they've gone through. And yeah, I mean, just at my club alone, our owner, all the things that she's doing is unbelievable. And all the older girls that we talk to, they're like, nah, you don't understand what she's doing is so amazing. And we're like, no, we hear you guys. Like, we understand. We know that this is crazy. And so, yeah, I just think people like Michelle King and all of the owners that are truly trying to make women's soccer uh, in the United States a big thing are definitely succeeding. And it's really cool just to be a part of. Do you see yourself as a role model for the for the next generation of players? I know there's I'm sure there's some kids in the the West Michigan area that look up to you as as somebody they'd love to be someday. That's kind of how it's been. The older generation of U.S. women's national team players set a a standard and and changed the game in the U.S. Do you see yourself eventually following like a similar sort of arc one day? Uh, It's weird to think about and to like know that I could potentially have that impact on players. But I hope that, yeah, people can just look at my story and other people's stories, whether it's like Mouse Kovacs or whoever. There's so many players from our area and just across the nation that have very similar or just stories of how they how they got to the professional level. And so, yeah, I think, I mean, if my story is something relates to you, then I'm, I'm happy that I did it first, I guess. And hopefully you can do more than me. Have you had any wow moments as a player in the league, like seeing some of the the big names that you might have grown up watching? Yeah, all the national team players, seeing them on the field and honestly training with a lot of the national team players that I'm just, I think that's what really hit me when I first came to the team. I was just like walking out on the pitch with Trinity Rodman or Andy Sullivan and Ashley Sanchez. I'm just, what is my life now? This is crazy. Yeah, and Ryan, I know that, and I know um, that when I think it was the Jalaki family came out and watched you play, what last spring, um, that, and they came and, and were so pumped, come from Grand Rapids all the way to see you play, and we're excited. And I know you got to meet them, and uh, I know it does make a make a big impact. Um, how how also I wanted to just mention, I know we got we're going to have Lauren Kozel hopefully at some point on the show, which is crazy when you think that your goalkeeper, well, maybe your centre forward for your first part of your career. Um, also join the league around the same time as you. I mean, how cool is that? Do you keep in touch? Like, is, isn't that crazy to have a teammate there too? Yeah, no, it's so awesome. I mean, it makes like going to like those games like at Portland. I mean, I also have Reina Reyes, Reina Reyes at Portland as well. So just to see them when we went and played um, out there was, it was just, it's so cool just to be like, business on the field but then after you can just be like yo what's up like haven't seen you in a while or whatever it is so it's definitely something really special and definitely kudos to Lauren 
so awesome that she also is here at in the NWSL. Mm-hmm. It's just it's really cool. Yeah, and uh, and Maya Perez as well. That's uh, your two goalkeepers. Something to be said, dude. That the the kids that you used to another field player as well. I remember when Maya used to compete with you as a winger. Yeah. Um, and then she became a goalkeeper, and and then I mean to see all of you guys at that level sign now is is crazy. Her from little old Grand Rapids and all kind of grew up there and, and now playing in the highest levels is uh has got to be pretty cool right yeah super cool and bethany balser and just like there we have so many people that are just it's just really cool kudos to the club and kudos to just all the resources and everything that we had growing up i think it's definitely shaped us and helped us uh get to the level so i'll always brag about people i'm like oh yeah yeah she was my goalkeeper oh yeah like she was at my club like whatever it's fun so last year, first professional season in NWSL, but you also had the chance to represent Panama at the World Cup. What was the process like for you? You're obviously from the Grand Rapids area, but eligible to represent Panama through your family. What led you to choose Panama and, and what was it like to receive your first call up? Yeah, so the whole Panama process is actually like kind of funny. Basically, like my brother created this whole dm through instagram and he st- came to me and he was like yo i found like the panama head coach's instagram i'm gonna send him like this highlight reel he literally created a highlight reel for for me and this huge long message and me thinking i was just like okay like go ahead and do it i just thought it was not gonna be anything to be honest and i was just like yeah go ahead and send it and then two weeks later we actually got a dm back and he was like i'm gonna watch your college season at this is I was at Alabama so this was during my fifth year and he was like and potentially we'll see where this goes and so like he ended up watching a couple games and he was like yeah we want you on the team and at that point it was probably mid-September and like I realized that my Alabama season was going way differently than what I thought and so we were actually doing really really well so I was like well now I want to finish out my Alabama season I think we actually have something really special here I had to go down in December to Panama and get all my paperwork done because we knew that this was going to be like something more we all wanted to do, whether it was Panama's side or my side. And so in December, I went down and I got my passport, I got my ID, and I did all the paperwork that I had to do. And then, like I said, in January was my first call up in Colombia, and it was just The way like the team responded, like I was so nervous. I don't even know Spanish. That is a New Year's resolution is to learn Spanish. But so the way the team responded and just being around the team was so special. And I, from that point on, I was like, okay, this is definitely something that I'm just like super excited about. And just like to see my family and like how they've responded and I don't even think my grandma ever watched soccer, ever cared about sports, and now she's obsessed. And so it's just been really cool. It's been a really cool opportunity. What was it like to get that World Cup call up and what was what was the process like preparing for that? Yeah, the World Cup call up was just insane. I mean, it's another dream come true. I think everyone always wants to play. That's the big goal is to play in the World Cup. And so We left, I think, mid-June for the World Cup and just honestly had some really good games set up. We played Spain, we played Japan, we were in Saudi Arabia for a portion of it, and then headed out to Australia. So 
with those games, I think it was definitely a good preparation just because of the group we were also in. We had a pretty tough group. And so opening up with Brazil, Jamaica, and then France, I think those games definitely helped prepare us. And so, yeah, that it was really cool just to like be in different countries leading up and, you know, just being with the team was super awesome. But yeah, the World Cup was definitely like a highlight of my soccer career, I would say. Riley, talk us just brief about your nickname. How did it come about? And uh, what's the story behind this Panama nickname? Uh, so the nickname is Frozen. It actually came in my first camp when we were in Colombia. It was like our last day. And we played like kickball. It was just like a fun day. And all of a sudden, like, I'm hearing, like, Frozen, like, you're up to bat, you're up to bat. I'm like, who the frick is Frozen? And then all of a sudden, it, like, dawns on me, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm Frozen. Basically, my assistant coach for Panama just ended up calling me Frozen. No one really wanted to call me Riley, and it gets confusing because we have, like, a Carla Riley on the team. And so now it's just, like, I don't even know if my team knows that my name is Riley. I think they just know that it's <laughs> Like, to day, I just get called but yeah, I think, I mean, it's definitely because of my blonde hair and whatever, but yeah, I'm- They make, they make you sing? They did make me sing. They did? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we were at the World Cup qualifier. I had to sing Let It Go before our first game, so. <laughs> is there a film of that? Uh, the shareable or has it been locked away and deleted? I think it's definitely locked away. Were there any nerves ahead of your your first World Cup game? Uh, we played Brazil, and so there was definitely a lot of nerves. I mean, yeah, especially with Brazil and all of the amazing players that they have. But I think it did help. I came off the bench that game, and so I think that helped. And, like, I could see how the game was settling and how everything was going. And But, yeah, to play in that first game and, like, when Marta came on the field, she also came off the bench. I was just, I was over the moon. Like she literally, she got a standing ovation at the stadium and I, I want, I had to fight back a smile, but I just wanted to clap in her face and be like, bro, who are like, I have watched you since I was like 10 years old. This is crazy. But yeah, so it was definitely a lot of nerves, but it was once I like settled into the game and stuff, it was just a lot of fun to be out there representing Panama and my family was in the got to come to all the games so that was just it was really cool it was super special did you feel like you you were able to appreciate the fact that you were playing in the world cup as it was happening or was it something that you kind of had to you know step back like a week two weeks a month down the line I think it was both in the moment just I think every time you walked out onto the pitch and whether it was like you were playing in front of 15,000 or our France game, we were playing in front of 40,000. So walking out and you're just like engulfed in 40,000 people, like, dang, this is the biggest crowd. I'm on the biggest stage and all of these people, whether they're watching in person or on TV. I had a lot of friends. Kudos to everybody back in the States. As soon as I got home from the World Cup, those games were way too early. So I'm so appreciative of all the fans that tuned in and like watched. So what's next for you now that you've had the World Cup, you've had your first year in NWSL, what are your 
goals for 2024 other than learning Spanish? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm super excited for the 2024 season. There's a little bit of, I don't know, we don't have a head coach yet, so uh, we'll see where uh, that takes. But draft is this week, and so I'm just excited to see like what new players we get and get back with the team and start training again. I think it's definitely like a revenge season for us. I think we ended a little bit lower than what we wanted to. And so I think just with all the talented players that we have that we have a lot more to say this year. So I'm definitely very excited. I have a couple of quick questions, right, that we can do hopefully some quick answers for. Um, <clears throat> favorite thing about playing professional soccer every day? Um, I think just being around like the team, like it's always pretty similar to college. You're with your like best friends and you're just, you're playing. And at this point, once you leave, there's no schoolwork. There's nothing like you got, <laughs> you got your job. <laughs> so like that, just like the soccer piece, like you're, that's it. You get to go do the job that you love, play the sport that you've loved playing growing up and so I think just yeah doing that with the friends that I made has been something like super super special. So Riley, basically Riley Tanner's dream is college soccer without going to class right? <laughs> yeah pretty much. Pretty much so that that's what you're living out that's great okay and, and give me maybe it's not least favorite maybe it's hardest but what's the opposite like maybe the hardest thing or your least favorite thing about the life of a professional soccer player? Uh, it's a long season, so it's, you have to be super disciplined and just always on the recovery A game and things like that. And so it's definitely a big, big ask, I would say. It just takes, could take a lot out of you just with it being so long. But yeah, I think that's. Awesome. Um, and then the last two questions. I, I, I want to come at it like two ways, like. Because I know we have a lot. We'll have a lot of young players that will listen and, and are looking out for you always. What would your advice be first off for young young soccer players? So by that I mean like maybe eight, nine to eleven, twelve. We kind of call those like your real formative years as a soccer player. Um, and obviously, you've made great success in your career. Some probably due to the decisions you made, and and some maybe just luck or or fate, whatever whatever you call that, right? Whatever that is, but looking back on your journey and maybe what you did and you think really worked out or maybe something that you wish you'd have done like in that young young area what what would any key advice be that you'd have that you think worked for you I think a big thing like we said like I was always at the field always just wanting to get better so I think just having like that drive to always want to get better in whatever work on your weaknesses to be honest that's a big thing and I think I still to this day need to work on my right foot because we all know that that thing's <laughs> a little shaky but yeah I think focusing on the hey <laughs> it's 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 great for standing on though isn't it yeah pretty much that's what that right leg is good for good good yeah. that's awesome cool and then um I guess same question but maybe aimed more for our like high school and maybe pre-college even college players like when almost if you think of it when soccer becomes real right and it's 11 to 11 and fully grown like what would any advice be that again you learned that maybe going into college or you think made you successful cause that you wish you would have known as a 17 18 year old I think just also just have fun and literally just embrace every single level or whatever 
circumstance you're in because it goes by so fast. Like the fact that I'm already done with college soccer is so crazy. And so don't put like too much pressure on yourself. Honestly, just have fun and enjoy every moment that you can because it's it's over pretty quick. I think, you know, you as a youth player, you work with different coaches. And now, as you mentioned, going into a new season, not knowing who your coach is going to be. Can you talk a little bit about what you think the, the benefit of working with different coaches and learning different things will be? Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely went through a few different coaching changes. and But I think, like you said, just learning, everyone has a different perspective on the game. And so just learning those things, I think, just honestly helps you develop as a player just because with one coach you maybe like get comfortable and you uh, start to just only develop through him where or her and coaching changes can lead to just like developing your game and definitely it's like an adjustment and but I think in the end it's super beneficial to see different coaches and the way they play and kind of adjust to the way they play. How do you go into that then with your new coach coming in? I know it's a little bit scary, but are you just kind of focusing on what you do as a team just together on, on who you are as a team? Is it like, do you see it as an opportunity maybe as well? Like, how do you go about that for getting ready for, for when you report? Yeah, I think it's definitely like an opportunity for everyone. We obviously know the players that we are, but I just think the new coach is coming in with open eyes. And so I think there's definitely opportunity there, but I think also just as a team, we know who we are, the type of players that we have. And so it's definitely going to be an adjustment in like to see that at the professional level. I'm like curious on how it's going to go down. But uh, I think it's like a really cool opportunity. And I know that Washington Spirit is going to get an amazing coach and they're willing to do anything to make sure that we have a great coach. So I'm excited just waiting for the announcement. I know we're all really excited to see what you accomplish in the new NWSL season once that kicks off. If you're a player or a coach in West Michigan and you're interested in following along with NWSL this year, you can find a ton of great matches on CBS, CBS Sports, and Paramount+. Plus. We'll wrap up today's episode right there. We've had a fantastic conversation with Riley Tanner. Again, she's a West Michigan native, an alumna of Midwest United FC, and she's currently a midfielder for NWSL Club Washington Spirit and the Panama Women's National Team. Riley, again, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Kopko with Lewis Robinson and Riley Tanner. This has been the West Michigan Soccer Show. We'll see you next time.